podcast where four movie fans test the limits of their friendship. I'm Lacey here with Mella, Josh, and Rashawn. Before we get started, if this is the first time you're listening, welcome. We are on social media. We are on Instagram and Twitter at Cinephile Attack. Whatever you are listening on right now, whether it's Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, we're available everywhere. Please give us a like, a follow, subscribe to us, leave us a rate and review, especially on Apple Podcasts if you can. It's super helpful. If you've already heard us ask you to do this for the last like 12 episodes, <laughs> please do it. <laughs> just please just do it. Um, I'm not going to threaten you like Mella and Josh, but I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cry if you don't. She'll so bite. please, please just, <laughs> just subscribe. Uh, I would argue worse. What? The- to have a grown woman crying at you. <laughs> please, uh, just, please rate and review my podcast, just, please. Just just threaten me. <laughs> so I introduce myself and I, hey, Rashawn, how you doing? I have a podcast. <laughs> Give me your phone. Pull out Apple oh Podcasts. I'll just, we're insufferable. It's really good, I promise. If you just leave us a rate and review, I'll be really happy. So please do that. It helps us grow. It helps us, you know, reach a new audience. It helps us build this little community. And it just means a lot to me. So please do it. How are my friends today? What are we doing? What are we watching? Watched the season finale of Loki. This episode is being recorded pretty early in advance. So if you haven't watched it by now, I don't think you care. So I'm just going to talk about the spoilers. If you do care, fast forward like two minutes. I liked it. I liked the season as a whole, but one critique I saw and that I tend to agree with and the phrasing I will use is that I don't know if it stuck the landing. Mm-hmm. They had a lot to bring home and I think maybe they kind of kicked the ball down the field for season two slash Ant-Man slash the movies and I don't know. Rashawn, you watched it. And... <laughs> <laughs> What'd you think? I'm I not... told you, bitch. I told you. <laughs> Rashad had a true like roller coaster ride with Loki. Like came yeah. in after the first wait, one or two episodes with this is my favorite Marvel show that they've done, and then that That's crashed right. real quick. <clears throat> if if I could talk to that fool a month ago. <laughs> I still I just... uh, Yeah, you go, because I don't have thoughts. I still think it's my favorite. I I don't know. WandaVision seemed like so long ago and it seemed like such a journey. Mm-hmm. But yeah, the and it was confirmed there's going to be a season two. If you didn't see that part of the show. So it did. It, it just kind of felt like it was kicking the ball down the field for season two and for some of the movies. It it didn't bother to answer some of the questions it posed, which is what we talked about. Such a positive for Black Widow kind of rears its head now in the season finale of Loki in terms of Marvel future properties. Yeah, I I feel like I'm A, yelling into a void or also just 
rocking in my chair on my porch with my cane. <laughs> so I should just I should just stop because it, it's not going to change. That's just how it's been conditioned. That's how they've planned it. You're either on board or you're not. And I don't want to say I'm not on board, but I was really disappointed because I thought I was getting something different. And then I feel like the whole last episode was just like, wait until, you know, the multiverse explodes because those movies are going to be crazy. And I'm like, what about the six hours I just spent with you guys? Yeah. Mm-hmm. What, what mm-hmm. happened? I feel like Loki himself had a lot of growth over the six episodes. There was a lot of character development that happened this season. But as far as like inter-character relationships and build, everything just felt really flat. Like everything, there was, the stakes didn't feel high at the end for any of it. Because I think, Rashawn, like you said, we knew that the multiverse was going to split. We knew that was going to happen one way or another. And it wasn't really surprising how it happened i don't know i felt i felt let down by the storyline between our two lokis i feel like so much more could have been done between them i don't know that what the arc that we got for loki is different and feel free to yell at me mcu fans but i don't know that it's different than the arc that we got from the dark world to infinity war they redeemed him through ragnarok and his death in infinity war and then maybe a bit deeper and a bit more self-awareness but it just felt like a retread for me that's the problem that the show set up is that's not the same loki i I don't get now i'm gonna get pissed (laughs) but you're right (laughs) well that's the thing is the loki we saw throughout all the movies was the kind of loki that would try to stab thanos but the tv show loki didn't become that loki until episode five Maybe six, probably five. So we kind of re-saw the same growth we saw Loki had throughout these movies through the TV show. Yeah. Anyway, Mela, what are you watching? (laughs) (laughs) I feel like I just listened to a little mini pod of just you three and I love it. (laughs) I'm not watching anything new and I'm a little sad about it, but I just feel like I come home and I I turned on the Mindy Project again. Oh, I love Mindy Project. I, I mean, I obviously watched it when it first came out, but now I'm watching it again and it feels like a new watch. So I'm invested like the first time. And I think the first time I was watching it, it was episode by episode. So now I'm just binging it and it's, oh, it's so good. It's so good. But yeah, I haven't watched any new movies yet or shows. So want want. I haven't either. <laughs> I don't think. I think we've just, we've been focused on Loki and we've been obsessed with New Girl. Like, that's the new thing for us, so. I got to see The Forever Purge. Oh, shit. How was it? I dig all the whole Purge series. Haven't seen the TV series. What? um, But I love all of the movies. This is apparently the last one, maybe. I don't know. Um, but I liked it. I liked it a lot. It's weird because The Purge is this really small, self-contained home invasion movie with Ethan Hawke. And now they're just this big, bombastic action movie with huge political overtones. The, the subtlety is kind of out the window. And they're just going for the commentary on, on the state of our world and the state of our country. 
but none of that ever phased me. I, I, I showed up for every one. There's like election year or the purge anarchy, the first purge. I don't know. I, I've seen them all and I, I dig them all. I think everyone in it is is always game for what the movie is. So I think it's one of the coolest modern day horror concepts that has mm-hmm. come out in a long time. Just posing the question of if you had 24 hours where no, I mean, I know it's not that long. I have never seen a Perch movie, but I, I know what it's about. <laughs> Same. <laughs> if you had uh, that amount of time overnight, if you had 12 hours overnight to do anything, what would you do? You know, and I know there's a lot of violence and a lot of violence that happens in those 12 hours but it's interesting it's interesting because everybody would have a different answer i was just gonna say catch me cleaning out a target the home good <laughs> section i knew get, it was gonna be some get bullshit. the chairs get the pillows catch me in the basement watching Grey's anatomy for 12 hours <laughs> i'm not gonna be out there no. I'm be, yeah. lock mm-hmm. and bolt leave me y'all alone. can come over I'll come over with my PlayStation 5 after I snag it from Target. (laughs) If you think there's a PS5 at Target, open, purge start, Josh enters Target in search for PS5. Cut to, purge end, Josh leaves Target with broken nose, cut arm, and bag of Takis. Nothing else. (laughs) Cut to, Mela excited. (laughs) Well, on that kind of horror movie spooky note my friends what are we fighting about today lace rashawn (laughs) (laughs) there it is there's the evil uh i got to revisit the delightfully spooky paranormal hey delightful the wickedly sorry Meet Norman. Can't you be like other kids your age? His parents don't get him. He's probably up there fiddling with his Ouija or his orb. Harry. His sister doesn't like him. You are such a loser. And the kids at school. Look, it's abnormal. Always pick on him. But he does have some friends. Norman, wait up. I like to be alone. So do I. Let's do it together. It's just that most of them... Good morning. ...aren't exactly alive. How's it hanging? Haven't heard that one before. Do you see ghosts, like, all the time? (gasps) Who's a good boy? Uh, that's not his chin. (laughs) Paranorman is a Leica Studio animated horror family comedy from 2012 written by Chris Butler and directed by Chris Butler and Sam Fell. It has a wonderful ensemble all-star cast of Cody Smith-McPhee, Anna Kendrick, Christopher Mintz-Plass, Leslie Mann, Elaine Stritch, Alex Borstein, and Mela's daddy of all daddies, John Goodman. Poppy. (laughs) Paranorman is the story of a little boy named Norman growing up in the little town of Blythe Hollow. Norman is a very eccentric and special little boy who can see and speak to spirits, and he sees them all over the town. One day, the spirit of Mr. Pendergast approaches Norman and tells him that the fate of Blythe Hollow rests in his hands. Obviously, I'm really nervous because the first Leica movie I brought to this podcast... It didn't go over so well. But I 
love Leica Studios. I think the stories that they tell are so unique. I, I almost think they're genre-less because they encompass so many different things. They tell us so many different stories within one movie. And Paranorman, to me, is just sweet. And it's so special. Norman is such an empathetic character that I think any audience member can look at and see themselves in feeling very other. And to see someone who is on the outskirts of everyone that they know still choose to defend them and come to their aid and be the hero that nobody thinks they can be is such an inspiring little story. It's spooky, so unbelievably funny, and the animation is just out of this world incredible. So, I mean, I'm ready. I'm not ready. But I love this movie, and I want to hear what y'all have to say now. Somebody please talk. <laughs> Who do you want to hear from first? I want to hear from Rashawn first. I want to hear from my friend Rashawn. Because I just, I, come on. Come on. <laughs> come on. Coraline episode, I feel like, is the origin of, of every rift we've ever had on this show. Yeah, 100%. probably. Yep. It caused the tear in the multiverse of WCA. <laughs> <laughs> and nothing has been right ever since. And in that episode, I do remember saying, unlike Burlesque, I do remember saying, bring Paranorman to the show because I love Paranorman. Yeah, I thought And so. that is very true. I'm not here to renege on that. I see myself in Paranorman. This little kid is me when I was little sitting in front of a TV, too close to a TV, watching a movie I had no business watching. I also see Ghost. Shut um, the fuck up! <laughs> <laughs> I don't think there's any moment in the movie, and there's a lot of touching moments, but there's nothing in the movie that touches me more than the first scene when you realize his his power on the scale that they show it when he's walking down the street yes. and everyone's kind of looking at him and judging him and he seems like he's talking to thin air. And then the score kind of swells and the camera pans around and you see that he's talking to spirits. And it's so, so cool. I think ultimately, I'm not taking my comment back. I do still love Paranorman. But I love the character of Paranorman more than I love the movie. Because I think after the first act with like a really great setup, the homage and the the nods are out of this world i mean halloween suspiria friday the 13th um we'll talk about another movie that i think is is and influenced this movie later but i think after the first act it gets a little lost in the sauce for me and i don't love the ending of the movie i know and it breaks my heart but overall (laughs) overall i i really still i still do love paranorman but this was the third, this is the fourth time I've seen it. And the ending still just never really reaches the potential of those first 30 or so minutes, which I think are probably the best thing Leica has done. I know for a lot of people, it's Coraline is like the peak of, of Leica. But for me, it's it's Paranorman. Don't really know what side that puts me on. I, could I don't either. Become, I, don't I could either. be hurting your feelings later. I don't know. I'm always ready for it. I'm always like ready that you're going to break my heart. 
So, but I'll take it because <laughs> so it's, far it's, it's been a long, it's good. a long-winded way of of saying, I I love this movie. This is foolproof. You know, it's it's horror. It's nods to Halloween. It should be a Rashawn movie, um, and it almost is. Oh my god. Okay, I'll take it. I guess. <laughs> I'm most afraid for Mella. So please just go next. Okay. This was my first watch of Paranorman. Ever? Ever. Oh no. Okay. And my second like a studios movie because you brought Coraline and that watch for me wasn't good as I <laughs> as I stated. Multiple times. Um, multiple times. <laughs> Lise, you keep bringing these movies with shitty parents. <laughs> that was the first thing I, I said don't... when you put this movie on. Hold on. Uh, the mom is delightful. Shitty dads. She, yeah, shitty dads, I guess no. I should say. That that dad voted for Trump, for sure. <laughs> if I'm not liberal, I'm nothing if I'm not liberal. That's what he like, said. Yeah, I don't know. But <laughs> whatever. That's... Hold on. I have to say, I know we're not talking about Coraline. Coraline's dad isn't shitty. He's just overworked. Okay, continue. Yeah. <laughs> but I actually really like this movie a lot. <gasps> really? Yeah, I did. I didn't have a lot of issues with it. And if you haven't listened to any other episodes, and this is your first episode listening to me talk about animation i'm not really the first one to watch an animated movie it's never my first pick and as we were watching this Rashawn's like are you getting into it and i was like yeah it's cute and i realized like i say that and i meet sometimes i'm just like it's cute it's whatever but no i really do mean it's cute i'm actually crying right now (laughs) (laughs) see listeners we can promise you a lacy cry (laughs) i really really did enjoy it i feel like it's foolproof for me in a different way than it is for rashawn in the sense of you know me i'm easy breezy i like a simple story and i feel like this was a simple story Mm -hmm. you know and I thought it was really funny. And I love when a cartoon or an animated film is not just for kids, but for the whole family. Mm-hmm. And I feel like especially with this movie, there was a lot of wink to adults, mm-hmm. but not in like a gross way. Just like, mom, dad, I know you're watching with your kid. This is for you. And I I love when any type of movie does that. And I love that this one did it. It almost felt like how you said Paranorman is everybody. He wasn't just an 11 year old kid. He was for the person sitting on the sofa watching the movie at the time. I I liked it. I'm so happy right now. (laughs) Are you shocked? I like, I'm over the moon. I cannot believe (laughs) this is happening. I honestly, have I even brought a movie that you've liked other than now and then Titanic? I mm-hmm. like my Ray record with you is not good. Mella is not good. <laughs> That's not true. It's I like Adam's true. family. I just had don't a even few no <laughs> don't. I think I think you fell asleep during Adam's family. Do not say this that is to true. me. This is true. <laughs> oh, we're focusing on the good too. paranormal. <laughs> Michelle, Josh, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh. I didn't hear it, so I'm 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 assuming that's good. 
Yes. No, she fell asleep in something else. But I, I woke up quick. I actually got a little sleepy during this one too, but I've seen it before. So. And because I'm a sleepy girl, not because I was no, bored. I understand. We we out of everybody, we're we're a very sleepy podcast sometimes. <laughs> <laughs> Y'all all uh, sleep. I'm over here rocking in the corner, insomnia. <laughs> <laughs> so there's been some discrepancy on the podcast before about my general movie taste or what what appears to be my general movie taste versus like a movies. And I, I wanted to take this opportunity to clear a few things up. Yes, I like Leica movies. Think about the general tone of Leica movies, kind of like what they're about, the kind of vibe they give off. And then think about how I married Lacey. Mm, nice. They're the same. They're, the same. they're, oh, they're oh weird. God. They're kind of dark, funny, but like, am I laughing at it or with it? I don't know, but it's funny. <laughs> I'm laughing. Same thing. Same, same thing. Same vibe. So yes, I fucking love Paranorman. <gasps> Is it my birthday? Happy birthday, ladies. I, I will say <laughs> I will say I don't think Paranorman's actually like his best. I'm gonna come in with my own hot take. I I think the best thing like has done, in my eyes, by a considerable margin, is Kubo and the two strings. I eat that shit up. It's got music. It's basically a superhero movie, and it's got Charlize Theron uh playing a playing a monkey. What else Harder could you than that. I'm I'm waiting. What's the discrepancy that you were trying to correct? You. <laughs> when I said that I what episode was it? That it was, was burlesque. I, that has burlesque. nothing to do with Leica. And no, you were like when you were you thought I was just siding with Lacey all the time because you were like, Coraline, really? Play and then back. and then you pushed back and I was like, no, I'll give you Coraline. Okay. But I will I will fall on a, my sword that you do not like burlesque and we'll talk about that later we'll talk about it later okay my headphones are on this time i can hear you i think paranorman is like his funniest movie there are some things that i'm i'm not crazy about that we can get into but i think a lot of the things that we had issue with with Coraline, i think paranorman addresses like i i think it's paced way better i think a big issue with Coraline is it's pretty slow and long Paranorman's a tight, like, 125. Like, it, Love it. And it crisp, it moves. Mm. You will never get a one out of five stars if you are under two hours long. If the movie is under two hours long, I will at least give you an extra star for not <laughs> wasting my time. <laughs> you get in and get out. We love you. Yeah. That's, I mean, that's literally what I'm talking about. Like, it's just a simple... We don't need to spend two hours with animation. We don't. Like his animation is unbelievable. It's, it's insane so good. Good. It's so good. And I think what they were really able to do with Paranorman because it was their second movie was they were able to do a lot more movie magic with it. They weren't solely focused on just the animation like they were in Coraline. Coraline is very technical as far as the the animation of the characters go. But Rashawn, the shot you were talking about at the beginning where we're following him as he's seemingly talking to himself, we get that beautiful 360 shot. We follow him all the way around and the perspective changes to where you can see all of the spirits that are crowding the sidewalk. They get to do, you know, cool little real life movie magic things with these characters this time around. And I also think that's why it works so well. 
That's like yeah. one of my favorite shots in the movie. I was hitting Josh like, this is it. This is it. Watch so this. Good. Are you watching? I was Every not time. on my phone. I was watching. <laughs> I know you were. Thing. <laughs> Don't kill me, but the movie never reaches that height again. And I love it. That moment of that marriage of like no dialogue to explain his gift, the theme of the movie with like all everyone judging him and what he's actually capable of. That is such like a, oh my God, just bottle that up and let me drink it all the time. The movie never reaches that for me again. Are you talking, what do you are mean? you talking like plot or are you talking more I think, like the movie I, magic? I think that moment is not what the movie turns into, which I, mm. I is not a bad thing, but the first time I saw it, I don't cry at a lot of movies. <laughs> I don't cry a lot at all. Anyways, I'm kind of a robot. But <laughs> that moment got me. And then the rest of the movie, I don't I don't think it's bad at all. But I just don't think it, it, it lives up to the potential of what that moment was promising. If that makes any sense. I don't want to say I agree in the sense of it doesn't live up to it. But I'll say I agree, for lack of a better word, that I thought the movie was going to go somewhere Mm-hmm. so you because agree. no because i don't agree because i like the ending the ending is fine to me but i did think that he was gonna do something more so to show off that he can see dead people essentially and he does but it's not really what i thought in the beginning if that makes sense i feel like no i feel like that is fair because after mr pendergast gives his message and goes to the light um (laughs) we don't see another ghost after that it's just the zombies and then aggie so i i think that's fair i think it would have been really cool to see to see the ghosts team up uh, with norman against the zombies to make the zombies go away or you know i think that's what i thought too yeah like i think that would have been cool because then we we kind of lose that and everybody can see the zombies everyone knows that the zombies are there that's a huge part of the plot in the second half of the movie so i i agree with you all but i do think they tie it back in with the ending with grandma and the dad on the couch in that final scene they do bring it kind of back around to okay norman is different but his differentness saved us and saved the town um Mm -hmm. and we see that acceptance you know from the town as they're cleaning up whatever but we really see that when the dad sits down and asks okay is is grandma here and they have he has that mini conversation with with the grandma on the couch i mean that moment's just delightful it's so Mm -hmm. good it's It's so so good this was elaine stritch's i believe last performance too before she passed Um, and she's just so good as grandma she's so good as grandma her reason for staying yeah it's not something i thought about while watching it but that's a good point didn't even kind of put two and two together that you don't really see the ghosts and it sets up as this big thing where the it's basically going to be two worlds it's the real world and, and norman's world and we don't really get that ever again so i i i tentatively agree as well and i agree that Maybe we don't ever hit that moment again, but that's like that moment on the street is like movie magic. We don't ever hit there again, but that's because it's like a 98 and the rest of the movie is at a 94. I, Never at 100. Like 82. <gasps> oh, 
my god, you guys. It's okay, so Rashawn, what's wrong with the Aggie? The Aggie. How do you not like Aggie? It's it's not that I don't like Aggie. And it's not that I don't like like the ending. Part of it is yes, that his powers don't really factor into the movie. Like the well, meat he, of the movie, you know? He's the only one that can talk to the zombies. Yeah. But why? Is it because that they're They're dead. I know that they're dead, but everyone can see them. And and part of what the moment on the street signifies is that they're judging him for something that they can't see and or understand. But everyone sees the zombies and everyone kind of turns into this big angry mob towards the zombies. Maybe that symbolizes the goodness of Norman is that even when the town can see what Norman sees, they resort to violence. Aww. Yeah, I, I guess Norman Norman was always good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like he's he's never been anything but pure and good and gifted and nothing really challenges that and i i get that i'm asking a lot for from a a children's movie but the front part of the movie is a lot more complex than just read this spell solve this curse you know what i'm trying to say yeah yes but i also think it's more than just about the curse like it's more than just about there is a connection that I read, you know, Mr. Pendergast, we know that Norman is his nephew and mm-hmm. he's his nephew through his mom's side. So his mom is also a Pendergast. Agatha is also a, a Pendergast as a little girl. So we have this through line connection of her in history being demonized and being brutalized for her gifts and abilities. And Norman is now reaching that same fate, you know, hundreds of years later. It's what he has inside of him and, you know, the support that he has from Neil, from his sister, from his mom, from time to time too, that Aggie didn't have. So I think that's mm-hmm. that's also part of what makes the story so powerful is is the connection between the two and seeing these two kids who were different and the different outcomes that they got based on their surroundings and their upbringings. Yeah. And I, and I love the moments between them when he communicates with her and the whole ending is kind of inspired by the fountain and it visually looks really great. And um, the director is queer, correct? You know that, that, for a fact, or did you like look that up for Sean? I'm the fountain guessing. thing. No, oh, the fountain. fountain. Yes. No, I just, I he just is. have seen the fountain a lot. So, like Norman is and Agatha are both kind of queer coded, and a lot of the messaging with like bullying and acceptance is all there, and so I definitely you know gravitate towards that. And then we can talk about the reveal at the end, which I have feelings about. I don't know. But I think a lot of that gets muddled with the kind of Goonies Wizard of Oz adventure that we have to go on. And going back again to the sidewalk. I'm going to leave the sidewalk alone, I promise. But (laughs) that movie where this kid is dealing with these powers that he can't quite understand and control and being persecuted for it kind of falls away until the end when he has the moment with Agatha. 
if that makes any sense. Yes, but they have bigger things to deal with. They have zombies now. They're not worried about him seeing ghosts. There's a zombie at the door. (laughs) There is. I know, and I love it. I love all of the Night of the Living Dead, Return of the Living Dead. I love all of that. I love all of that stuff. It's just, go back to the sidewalk. (laughs) (laughs) Leave it alone. I'm interested. I wanted to know... Especially you, Rashawn, what you thought of the straight-coded character, the hetero-coded character in Mitch in this. Yeah, Neil's brother. So the first time I saw it, obviously Mitch's sexuality is is revealed in a punchline. And it's not a punchline at his expense. And I asked about the director because he's he's queer and he made a choice to reveal it that way. The first time I saw it, I was like, huh, that's pretty neat and then the Mm -hmm. next time i watched it i was like i hate it and then i go back and forth every time i see it and i'm just like is it subversive or is it you know we've seen this whole movie and then we're gonna say it at the end because then the movie's over and you don't have to think about it so are Mm. they like protecting themselves from if they revealed that at the beginning then his sister wouldn't have a lot to do flirting with him the whole time Uh, norman's sister and then he's just gay you know what I mean? But with the reveal at the end, it becomes a moment. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't know. I can't quite wrestle with if it's okay. Again, like the I love you, man. I don't speak for everyone. <laughs> but um, I don't know. I, there's There's a few times where I'm like, okay, it's great. And then another watch, I'll be like, I just really don't like that. That's um, interesting. I didn't think about the issue of it being revealed at the beginning that's because i always pictured it as yeah i i was like oh that's cute that's funny kind of a subversion kind of also the writer director going see he was gay this whole time and you didn't know it doesn't matter but it could be that or you know i don't know your point about it coming at the beginning and it being troublesome of it pulling away from his character from anything Mitch does to just being the gay character also is very valid too. So I don't know. I do appreciate how they have um, Courtney, Anna Kendrick, the sister's character respond to it too, though. It's not devastation. It's not, she's just like, oh, okay. It's the equivalent of him saying he has a girlfriend. It's just disappointed that it's not her. It, yeah, yeah it's, she's just disappointed that she that he's not single. There, there were times where I was like, because she kind of like tosses off an eye roll, and I'm like, God, I've been there when someone are like, ah, oh, but you're gay, you know, and it right, it's not meant as an insult, but you're kind of like, okay, well, sorry, I'm not inconvenient, but obviously their intention was not. Mitch is not a punchline. I do think it's worth noting that he is tall, white, and muscled, and he's right. gay. You know, for, take that for whatever it's worth. I'm not trying to really say anything other than bringing it to acknowledgement. I don't know. I can't. I'll ask me again next week, and I'll feel different. <laughs> Did you like he his tribal armband? <laughs> no, me the too. Rashawn, hideous. Me too. <laughs> <laughs> I speaking of, I want to talk about how good tucker albrizzi is the voice of neil neil oh my so god dude he so fucking killed it i wish he was my son <laughs> me too <laughs> he was so he good so cute he's such a good friend yeah he, 
they I mean they show it at the beginning with Freak and Fatty on the lockers. They're mm-hmm. both outcasts, but Neil is just charming and funny while being himself. They don't use his physicality as a joke. He just is <laughs> so innocently hilarious like the whole thing with his dog in the yard is one of the sweetest saddest i almost cried and funniest things i've ever seen he's just happy to spend more time with his dog it doesn't he trusts he trusts norman implicitly that his dog is there and he's just happy he can hang out with his dog Mm -hmm. he's the best he's teaching norman how to play fetch and he's not like (laughs) how do you not know how to play fetch he's like oh yeah yeah just grab a bone He's just <laughs> so nice and like, oh, yeah, you don't know how to play fetch. I'll teach you how to play fetch. There's no questions about it. One of my favorite moments is when Courtney comes to their door and Mitch is calling <laughs> them and Neil just goes, I'm busy. And he's <laughs> watching the exercise tape on the TV. So Dude, good. speaking of. Don't. Courtney. Has oh, a here we fat go, Josh. Dumpy, dude. <laughs> Quit God, it, Josh. It. Pixar could never. She's, she, uh, even Sandra, the mom, they're both. It's genetic, homie. Hair shaped. <laughs> Sandra's still got the the 18 year old waist. 40 year old wagon. <laughs> what the fuck? <laughs> Are, what are we doing? <laughs> Y'all know how I feel about Anna Kendrick, right? We no. all know this. Actually, no. Oh. She is really good when she's typecast. I think she's best served typecast. With all that being said, I thought she fucking nailed it in this movie. Mm-hmm. Because her voice is very specific. But I thought that I... You know how sometimes you watch a cartoon and you can only hear the actor... Like, as soon as I found out it was John Goodman, I could only hear John Goodman. But I have no problems with that. (laughs) But with this, I was like, oh, it's Anna Kendrick. But I thought she fit the sister's character so well. And I thought she did such an amazing job. Three quarters of the way through the movie where the town is coming at Norman and the zombies and he's trying to explain himself. And she steps forward and grabs his hand and defends him for the first time in the movie makes me cry every time the typical older sister stepping mm-hmm. up when when the time comes no matter how she feels about her little brother at that time she's gonna defend him when he needs her and she's gonna be there for him and it just <laughs> fills me fills me up as a younger brother who has pretty similar age difference between my sister the same as norman and courtney do I think this movie nails the sibling idea of I don't like you, but I love you. Mm-hmm. That yeah. siblings have, especially in high school. Um, I think I think she's my favorite character, but maybe because I'm like, is that meme? Maybe. <laughs> do I have a fat dumpy? I definitely do. If you've never seen me, I got a fat old dumpy, guys. Damn. <laughs> Put your Tinder profile on the link. Uh, if you rate us, I'll send you my Tinder profile. <laughs> oh, she'll send you her OnlyFans. Now, don't be picky with what you get. Uh-oh. <laughs> no. Five stars might get you something a little special, but hold on. Speaking of actors who, when you hear them, you only see that actor. This is my one problem with the movie, and I would like to approach it now. Like a... All of their movies, all of them, 
I think why they are always so successful in sort of a four quadrant adjacent movie and they're able to kind of hit all of these marks is that they are just the hero's journey. Coraline is just the hero's journey. This is just the hero's journey. Kubo is just the hero's journey. It's they just do the simple concept of the normal world, meet the mentor, alternate world, all of that. The problem comes then when you do do that, you can run into the danger of having pretty stereotypical characters that are pretty derivative or repetitive. And I think that's my issue with Christopher Mintz Plus's Alvin, the bully. And I think he's a great character. He's a phenomenal character actor. McLovin goes down in comedy history, but he has got a very specific voice and you know it's him. And the Alvin bits, the jokes, him spelling his name wrong, holding his pen like a Neanderthal in the stall and like Xing it out. It's just like shit like that misses me every time. I like it because he's the only one. He's it's mm-hmm. he's very yeah. much he's the tough guy and he's the bully, but he's clearly an idiot. An idiot. He's clearly mm-hmm. unintelligent and from the spelling things wrong to the horrible breakdancing, I feel like he's the true like <laughs> horrible. Hold on. <laughs> it's Come terrible. on. Come on. I, I think he's meant to be where everybody else's comedy is subtle and in character and, and written into the dialogue and their actions. Alvin is just the punchline. I think Alvin is supposed to be like the kid jokes, honestly. I think yeah. that's where it's supposed to come in is the kid humor. That's kind of the vibe I got is that he is... Again, sorry, I say this all the time. The four quadrants. I think he comes in comedy wise. He's the he's the t ball jokes. I mean, he can't spell his name. <laughs> I I don't know. I just it I, I don't like it. It bothers I, me. I agree with you because I feel like I could take take him or leave him honestly. But now that you're like Lacey, you're saying that he's the kid jokes. I'm like, yeah, like I can imagine sitting and watching this with my nephew, and he would crack up at the whole exactly. spelling his name wrong and i'm like it's not that funny you know but <laughs> stupid <laughs> stupid but i get why like the movie needs that character but, but I, does uh, it yeah in in the sense of the writing and for the audience sake yes i mean yeah, but i, I could also be fine with the four of them neil norman what's this is his name courtney courtney and mitch mitch like i would be fine with just some four going on an adventure i mean yeah like you need the bully i know you you can't not have the bully but like i don't know i don't know i just don't like a bully character and maybe that's just me simply not liking a bully but i i just why she said there's only room for one of us in this town (laughs) sorry you are the bully um I also though kind of think that Alvin is the direct link for showing just how good Norman is deep down. Like we have that, but he's kind of the through line of watching people change the more Norman is with them, like watching their opinions right. change of him. Like we get that with Alvin as the through line if you're not picking up on the subtlety. Yeah, the more we talk about it, the more I see what you're saying. Damn it, me too. But I still think his jokes suck. <laughs> so 
fine. It's fair. I I want to talk one more time about Aggie because I feel like a bit a big criticism I got with Coraline was would you show this to your kids? And I said yes. And I still feel I feel like I would show Paranorman to my kids, but I'm wondering where all of you stand because what happens to Aggie is that's a conversation mm-hmm. kids are going to want to talk about either during the movie or afterwards because it's that's scary really scary and they're saying that it really happened this isn't like some other you know other world other land thing this is town history so where what do you all think that's almost celebrated and i mean don't mm-hmm. get, i mean Hi, welcome to Josh's Political Corner. It's the same thing as Thanksgiving. (laughs) Like, why the fuck do we celebrate Thanksgiving? Do you know what happened on Thanksgiving? The beginnings of genocide. That's what happened on Thanksgiving. It's the same thing as this fucking town celebrating the time they all killed a little kid. That's been Josh's Political Corner. Thank you. I don't think they know anymore that she was a kid. I think that the lore has been built up that she was a witch. And, you know, that's how they defended it. That's how they justified it. America, history is written by the victors. We tell all the stories about how great we were discovering this nation. It's like, no, we were fucking criminals. Same thing they're doing. They're like, oh, she was an evil witch with a hook nose. No, she was a little kid. The allegory is right there. Anyway, this has been Josh's political corner. <laughs> well, on that extremely positive note. No, no, no. I want to talk about what you did talk about. I I mean, I wouldn't have a choice because you'd show it to our kids, but I think I would too. Just because, again, what we talked about Coraline too, I think this is a great mid-tier movie. I think there are kids' movies and there are, are scary movies and there are movies that are like kind of for teenagers and adults in terms of the horror genre. And this is a great mid-tier movie that if your kid likes creepy stuff if your kid likes trick-or-treating and they like halloween and they're 10 12 this is great i think i don't know if they asked me about that scene i would say go talk to your mother (laughs) (laughs) she'll explain it because you don't want to hear daddy talk about the founding fathers so go talk to your mother I was going to say yes, I would show this to my kids. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, did um, I derail it? <laughs> no, no, not totally. Um, I actually didn't think about them asking that question. Like, what happened to the little girl, mommy? I'd be like, girl, she's a witch. Go there. <laughs> <laughs> Depending on what age they are. But I think, not that this is the point of watching this movie that's not what i'm saying it's just that when conversation like this like these come up i think it's nice to have a movie like a cartoon like this where it's like light and fluffy to go back and forth with with having that conversation where it's like yeah we'll see she was a witch and this happened to her and you know you saw how all of the town treated Norman because they were different, but because he was nice, you know, they treated him. So there's like ways to go about it, especially as a kid. Again, depending on what age they are, I would probably show this to my, that mid age that you're talking about 10 to 12, where the conversation wouldn't be so weird. If I had to talk to them about it, they would kind of already know what's going on versus like a five-year-old. I would just, they just wouldn't ask that. Right. I would hope. 
the shoddy? Yeah, you you're not answering. It's scaring me. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I mean, I'm, I'm showing my kids Halloween, so I mean, <laughs> 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 I mean, I, I'm not showing my kids Coraline because I don't like Coraline. I'm not, <laughs> oh my god, we're not talking about it. We're not talking about it because this has been a really fun time for me. Um, but yeah, I, I, I think my six or seven year old is not going to pick up on those those nuances. As opposed to my 12-year-old will already be like, hey, dad, remember when we watched Night of the Living Dead? I'm like, yeah, what's up? Um, <laughs> so when it comes to like horror movies, I- I'm not going to really have any hesitation. Pop a Blu-ray or or I guess digital, whatever. I don't know. Whatever it winds but, up being. A yeah, VHS. Pop, pop, a, pop a chip into your earlobe your... so we can all watch it at the same time. <laughs> into oh my your God. wrist. <laughs> How fucking um, far in advance is this shit? Damn. Rashad's yeah, not having I, kids until 2381. Oh my god. Oh my god. <laughs> That's a long time. That's It'll not be a nice. hologram. That's so long. <laughs> oh my god. Um, <laughs> uploading my consciousness? Um, yeah, I don't I don't know. I think part of the, the ending that I, for lack of a better term, didn't like was just, I'm going to repeat myself. It doesn't even matter. Yeah. No, say it. Just say it. No, 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 no. I, I don't know what I was about. You're to like say. when he was on the street doing <laughs> movie magic. <laughs> he hates that it ended in the woods and not on the street. <laughs> I do though. I really I like what they do in the woods though. Of that the conversation that Aggie and Norman have, where Norman is yes, but now you've become what they said you were. You're you've let yourself become this evil scary angry thing and that's not who you are you remember who you really are deep down inside this horrible thing happened to you but you're not this horrible thing um and I think that's also subtle that's not something like Mela said that you know a lot of kids are going to pick up on and want to talk about but that's a really subtle and great message for kids to hear and to see played out for them mm-hmm but also, as someone who got made fun of, like, why do you talk like that? Why do you act like that? Why do you talk like a girl? Like, sometimes bullies need to get their fucking asses beat. So, oh, word? absolutely. For real. The whole quote-unquote redemption for the zombies, I don't completely, I'm not completely on board with it. But I get that it's a kid's movie and, like, you have to kind of, everyone needs to get their moment in the, in the spotlight to, you know, be redeemed and be good. I agree with you, but I also feel that Norman's speech does that, but I don't feel like the movie absolves them. Norman says, they made a mistake, and now you're making the same mistake too. So we have that little connective tissue for it, but I don't, I feel like they still, they, you know, they dissipate, and they're still sad, and they're still, you know, they're more remorseful, and or, you know, at least they're haunted by the actions that they committed. Yeah. I see what both of you are saying. I see, kind of see what Rashawn is saying, too, though, is the judge, Bernard Hill's character, the main zombie. Mm-hmm. I, it feels like they are trying to make him a little sympathetic as it goes on. There's something that kids' movies have done as of recent, maybe 2010s onward, where they're hesitant to have just a full-on villain. And mm-hmm. I miss villains. I miss mm-hmm. bad guys. Because, yeah, it's just bring them back like it's okay to have someone be so so bad pay for their actions and you know die in a fire <laughs> i mean like Jesus Christ. like like the movies or not 
we're in the era of some of Disney's most abhorrent villains getting a sympathetic backstory. Yep. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like Frozen has a villain, but he's not a Scar or an Ursula. And I don't think there's anyone in Paranorman, maybe the judge, but there's no one that that takes a fall for burning this little girl at the stake, you know? Yeah. Um, but it's but it's kids and you want to teach kids the right lesson. So I get kind of where the trajectory of, of all this is going. So even, you know, Ryan, the last dragon didn't really have a villain. These people were Conflict. victims of circumstance. Yeah. So I don't know. It's really interesting. I can I can totally agree with you on that. I'd love to see more more just bad guys. Yeah. Well, this has been wonderful. Is this how you guys feel most of the time? Yeah. Wow. Yep. Not Lazy. you, Rashawn, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I was about to say. <laughs> As a matter of fact, no. This is never how I feel. No. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Let's play a game. I want to play a game. All right, everyone. Gird your loins. Riddle me this. It don't matter if you win by an inch or a mile. I despise guessing games. Come on, Okay, so in Paranorman, Norman has to take a fairy tale to Agatha's grave and read it to her to keep the evil witch asleep for another year. So I wanted to do kind of a spin on that, and we are going to play Once Upon a Horror Story. I am going to read you a Once Upon a Time fairy tale retelling of a famous horror movie. You can get a point for the title and for the character. Once Upon a Horror Story. Once upon a time, there was a family. Their dreams came true when they moved into an idyllic country home. But their dreams soon turned into a nightmare when the children and the mother were targeted and tormented. Rashawn? The Conjuring? Ding, 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 ding. Mm. All right, The Conjuring. Fucking rage when I knew. Rashan, can you name the mother and the father from The Conjuring? Oh my god! Oh, their character names? Mm-hmm. Oh shit! No. Can anyone? Josh is just gonna try. <laughs> Steven, no, how, wait. How do you know? Maybe I know them. Because of the way you raised your hand, you're like, well, yeah, I'm gonna try. Steven and Rebecca. No. Uh, wouldn't that have been crazy, though? Wouldn't that have been crazy? No. But, you know, good try. Uh, Thank you. Their names are Roger and Carolyn. Carolyn. That was close, dude. All right, so Rashawn, one point, but Mello is right behind you. Yes. Okay. Our next horror story. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a boy and a girl. The boy planned a romantic weekend getaway, complete with champagne, 
Josh. The Strangers. It is The Strangers. Let's go! Can you give me their names, boy and girl? I don't think I can. A J, the, the letter J is calling out, but I don't think that's right. Mark? And, 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 and Jody. No. It is not that, no. A good try. Anyone? James. It wasn't Jay! <laughs> and Kristen. God, dude. I James fucking knew there Kristen. was a Jay. Why am I like this? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Next story. <laughs> Once upon a time. Wait. Rashawn. So good. Us. What? It I didn't know this was a... <laughs> Wait, what is it? I didn't know that was a clue! Oh, us. Oh. I thought she was just on her Lupita-ish. <laughs> she was. I was. Um, yes, it was us. Rashawn, can you give me the the name of the character? Uh, Adelaide and Red. Well, I'm only going to give you one because it's just Red that delivers that monologue. But... Well, technically it's Adelaide. Well, t- yeah, okay, oh, shit. but oh shit, we got spoilers in that. Damn, damn. <laughs> I'm not- sorry, sorry, <laughs> listeners. <laughs> it's been out for a long time. If you have not seen us, no, go oh, watch shit, it. We got. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a boy. A boy who lost his innocence. On his favorite holiday of the year, he walked into his sister's room. Josh. Halloween. That is correct. Josh, can you give me the character name? Miguel Myers. (laughs) No. Miguelito. Michael Myers! (laughs) <laughs> I gave you the point. I've been on Spanish Google Translate for the past 10 minutes. <laughs> Miguelito. Oh, Mela, I love you so much. Rashad and you Josh are, are tied with three points each. So this will determine it. Our final Once Upon a Horror Story. <laughs> Once upon a time, there was a girl. A girl who lost her mother. Rashawn. I know you didn't think I was going to let anybody take this motherfucking answer. (laughs) (laughs) That is Sydney Prescott from Scream. I should have just, I should have figured. I should have just known. Right as she said, once upon... Ah. Ah. <laughs> Congratulations, Rashawn, the horror king. You I have mean, won once upon a horror story. Is anyone surprised? Yeah. No. Congrats. <laughs> yay, Rashawn. Y'all can still celebrate me. Fuck. I just no. said yay, Rashawn. I was talking Woo! to the two haters. <laughs> I made some uh, blue flavored haterade, so Mel and I will be sipping. <laughs> mm. I bet it's sugar free, all hater ass. Uh. <laughs> Well, wrapping things up, I'm thrilled to announce that we all enjoyed Paranorman this week. Paranorman is a beautifully animated, wonderfully shot, 
animated movie for all ages. Norman is a character that we can all see ourselves in at one point or another in our lives. And you know what? Courtney's got a dumpy. So she's got a dumpy. Big old dumpy, dude. Also, I forgot. I just also wanted to shout out voiceover legend Alex Borstein. Oh my gosh. And she's so good in this. Her character is she's so always funny. She's just 100. And Tempest Bledsoe from the Cosby show. Yeah. And the wonderful, wonderful <laughs> voice acting by an all-star ensemble cast. Uh, it's a good thing that we uh, had a good time this week because next week is our one year anniversary episode of when Yay. cinephiles attack one year y'all and i can promise you listeners it's going to be very ugly next week <laughs> very ugly we got a big old fight coming for you but that's all we're gonna say about it it's getting a little too Warm and cozy in here for me. Josh. Josh. Oh, oh shut the it. fuck up, Rashawn. Shut the. You can't have it every way. When you said heart, I only heard pussy. All right, that's it for this week's episode of When Cinephiles Attack. As always, we would love if you took a moment and followed us, liked us, subscribed, rated us on Apple Podcasts. You can find this and all of our episodes on Spotify, Stitcher, iHeartRadio, or anywhere you get your podcasts. Please follow us on Twitter and Instagram, at CinephileTac. And if you have a suggestion for a new episode, or if you have a bone to pick and want to tell somebody how wrong they are about their movie opinions, or if you just want to, you know, chat and say hi, you can email us at WhenCinephilesAttack at gmail.com from Lacey Mella I don't want to Josh <laughs> Sean yeah! yes see you next week y'all this ain't a Halloween episode goodbye every oh, what? every Why episode not? of a Halloween episode listen up Aww. listeners uh, welcome to the post credits of Winston of Files Attack Guess what? Next week, we're just going to be talking about Cal from Titanic the whole time. No, we're fucking not. Fucking gouge my ears out. No. <laughs> See you next Monday. Probably nothing wrong. Goodbye. <laughs>